do that again and then you can edit it. So what's the show called again? I'm going to give you a nice voiceover for it. Catching Up With. All right. Coming up next on Catching Up With, episode 3020, obscure guitar player Dave LaVita talking about his so-called travels as a working musician. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll do something better than that. Something that makes... uh, Wait, tell me the name of the show one more time. I'm so fucking senile. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I really am fucking the the knucklehead. I can't even remember guitar chords. What is it? (laughs) Catching up with. Catching up with, right. Okay, I got it, I got it. Coming up on Derek... Did you pronounce your name Drugsma? Yeah, that's right. Coming up on Derek Drugsma, catching up with the elusive Dave LaVita talks about the life of an obscure guitar player in Los Angeles, episode 326. That's perfect. That's perfect. All right, there you go. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, having definitely the one good thing about, you know, getting throat cancer treatment is it gives you good voice over voice what was your what was your voice like what do you think changed about your voice uh before and after i could well i could never really do the evil voice like this you know i could (laughs) never really just go for it 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 didn't sound right so this this basically destroyed my saliva glands and dried everything out and like it changed the shape of everything inside because they radiated it they just burned it with radiation for like seven weeks straight that's Wait, insane. Get out the viol- Let me get the violins out. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me- um, no. That's insane. So it but- literally like changed. The- I've never thought about that. That it's literally the 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 shape of your like your instrument is changing. Well, for sure. I mean, some people, some really unlucky mofo's lose use of their speech completely. Like they lose parts. They have to chop out part of your tongue or yeah. you have to chop out part of your vocal cords or so you know I was lucky um, totally in that regard but um, yeah my voice just used to be high pitched and squeaky now it's annoying in a different way but, <laughs> you know. I think I think it's and I, had, I, I have a good friend who he does voiceover for a living and I totally have copped his style you know he's he's done a lot of like pro- television promo and stuff like that so i've i've learned from him you know yeah how to you know how to do like promo voice yeah yeah you know. that's super cool Coming well i mean next on catching up <laughs> the, <laughs> the first time well when you gave me a call uh i think last week i was just like whoa yeah. i was not expecting your voice to be like that i was like he sounds so freaking cool <laughs> mm. My voice definitely sounds cooler than I am. <laughs> Although to some people it sounds really fucking annoying, especially I think my wife and kids. They find it really annoying. But um, That's awesome. How yeah. many kids do you have, man? Uh, I have a couple of kids, a couple of teenagers running around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and they're pretty much done with me, so that's fine. <laughs> done with them too. It goes both ways. Um, yeah, um, but um, yeah, they gave me a nickname. What's that? Uh, yeah, they call me ATM. They're like, yo, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My kids are sweet. We get along pretty good most of the time. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, well, nice to meet you, man. Yeah, likewise. Uh, you, live out, you live out in Minneapolis, is that right? That is correct. 
cool yeah. city. I like it a lot. Thank you. I like it too. <laughs> I've uh, I've been in Minnesota my whole life. Oh, you have? Yeah. Right on. So you like that cold weather then? I don't at all. Oh. <laughs> Me neither. It's <laughs> probably why I never moved to Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I but think I do I could... love Minneapolis. It's a cool city. Yeah. Oh well, do you um, do you follow the whole Corey Wong Wolfpack thing? I do not. Okay, hit me to that. I'm so not hip to that. <laughs> so uh, Corey Wong is like, he plays for Ben Rector. He plays for um, this newer artist Phoebe Cadis that he's been working with. This cat plays with a, a bunch of these two people and other people too. Yeah, he's just done a bunch of cool. Like I don't, I'm not like an expert on his history, but. He is just like the guitar guy in Minneapolis right now. Um, oh, cool! Because he more or less like rebooted the whole Minneapolis funk movement. And, oh, right on! And uh, like, I'll send you, uh, I'll send you like a Spotify link or something because sure, his stuff is sure. super baller. It's just like right on, straight up Prince vibes and uh, Jesse Johnson, man. Yeah. Jesse Johnson, don't play, man. Yeah, it's it's super cool. Super cool. Well, I, you know, I grew up listening to P Funk, so, um, a lot and records like that. But I've always, kind of, the first thing I ever was taught on guitar was by a great New York City uh, guitar player, this guy named Tomas Donker, who uh, played in a lot of great funk bands over the years and had his own bands. Um, he really taught me that guitar is a rhythm instrument. That's the first thing he told me. He said, don't really worry about soloing and all that. That, that you know, you can figure that out. But yeah, the guitar is a rhythm instrument. And if you can't play in time with people and you can't listen, listen to everybody else, then, you know, nobody's going to want you to be in their band. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah, that takes, that takes, uh, at least for me, like that, that took a lot of time to really, like you can sort of understand it in your head, but then there's kind of different like stepping stone moments in my experience where I'm just like, oh, okay, I understand that now. Like I, I can, I can grasp that in the practical sense of like being with a group of musicians and not like playing to the click and hoping everybody else is playing to the click the same way you are. Yeah, you know, I grew up with a cat a drummer named Zach Alford, who's a badass drummer, and he used to play me records and say, "Yeah, you should check out what the guitar player's doing on this record." And I could, and at first, I I could not hear it. I literally couldn't hear what he was doing. You know, what the guitar was doing, like the rhythm guitar, I couldn't pick it out. And he's like, "Yeah, because it's so, you know, part of the groove that it's subtle. It's not like something necessarily overt." That, you know, and um, the, the turns out that record that he was playing me was an old Chaka Khan record and it was Hiram Bullock playing guitar. And the guitar parts are so dope on it. I mean, there's all sorts of guitar playing on it. He plays lead guitar on it, plenty of it and plenty of melody stuff. But the rhythm guitar is just nasty. And yeah, he used to always tell me, you got to listen for that stuff and figure out how to play that. And that was always harder to hear because it's like inside with everybody else it's not trying to draw attention it's just trying to like help you know rock the groove basically you know that's super cool okay so you're talking about new york guys where are you from i'm from new york <laughs> okay so you're from new york yeah. living in la right now I am. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I've been living in LA a long time. I'm old, man. I've lived many lives. <clears throat> um, but I grew up in New York in the 70s, which doesn't resemble New York now at all. New York now is, I don't know what it's like. It's still the greatest city, but it's just, it's it's changed a lot. Yeah. What was your like experience? Because I've always sort of fantasized about living in New York someday because I'm from, you know, the middle of nowhere. And uh, like I grew up in a town of less than 300 people, literally. Wow. <laughs> and uh, there was 300 people in my apartment building. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like so the idea of living in New York City and for me, it's almost this romanticized thing of like, oh, I'll be so cool to like live out there and you just have to survive. Well, when you grow up as a kid, you don't, you know, your parents like hopefully feed you right, and you know, right. and you, and you're going to school. So you don't really think of it like that. Although there was a survival aspect to growing up in New York and that's like, don't get your shit stolen. Don't have anybody beat you up. You know, I grew up in a pretty tough neighborhood, so I learned pretty early on, you know, how to stay out of trouble because I'm not really a fighter and I'm not a tough person. So I just kind of, yeah, I, I got street savvy from a pretty young age and my, my parents were divorced. So I, I was living with my pops for a while and I was really, there was no cell phones. We, me and my, my brother and I were both left to our own devices a lot. So I had a really highly independent childhood very free and I got into a lot I managed to get into a lot of trouble but my parents didn't find out about much of it <laughs> <laughs> so and you know uh, but New York is an amazing place to grow up because it's you know you got everything in one little place one place you see everything you see every shape size rich poor you know it's like there's no rules People can dress any way they want. They can talk any way they want. And, you know, um, it's really hard to, uh, yeah. And there's so much energy there. This, And if you grow up with that, you don't realize it. But in fact, you know, when I became like in my late teens, I actually wanted to get out of New York for a minute because, you know, I wanted to experience something different, um, something more. I wanted to experience some nature. You know, I was like, I loved New York, but it really did feel like concrete jungle to me. And I, you know, um, I wanted to, to experience something different. But um, yeah, it's pretty fun, though, to be like, you know, 12 years old on the subway going to school every day. And then, you know, just having that kind of free, having that kind of freedom, seeing all, you know, all walks of life. You know, everybody's a freak and nobody looks twice. And you know, weird behavior is accepted and commonplace. And so that's a pretty great, great thing to have as a kid because it, it's a great education. You become very accepting of all manners of thought and of being, which is a good thing. A lot of people, you know, if they don't grow up in an in a, you know, environment like that, they tend to think that, you know, everything else outside of their initial environment is weird or wrong or something and yeah you know. yeah and I definitely uh, that that fascinates me because growing up in such a small town I mean like I went to I went to private school in that small town which is even more isolated but then I you know went to a public school for high school in a town that was 10 times that size which still isn't that big um, but now living in Minneapolis 
I just have more and more of a fascination with just like being around people that aren't like me. Um, uh-huh. And I just think that's, that's super cool to be able to like in your just, you know, casual every day, you see everything in society yeah. in a way. Cause yeah. I mean, you're on the subway, that's where everybody's going. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, there's something like really uh, satisfying about people watching. It's like one of yeah, my favorite sure. things to see. Like that person's life is nothing like mine. What are they thinking right now? Totally. You know, and when you're a kid doing that, it has a profound impact on you. Like, you know, the other thing about New York is it's not just, you know, diverse. It's also got this energy. It's like this energy vortex. People go there because they want to make a lot of money. People go there because they want to discover some great piece of science. People go there because they want to, you know, develop their art. It's kind of one of these places where people just end up when they want to expand or get nuts and just, you know, follow their, follow their, you know, their bliss, follow their dream or whatever it is, you know? People yeah. go to New York for some reason, that city more than any other I've been to. You know, I've been around a lot of cities in the world and there's a lot of great cities, but for me, I'm biased, but New York still takes <laughs> takes it. Right, you know. right. Well, there's something, so. I feel like, uh, and this is from an outside perspective, but I also feel like New York has kind of this, it's, it's almost wired into its history of like, that's where people went to find a new life when they went to America. And I feel like so my grandparents that, went. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like part of that still still like rings true about New York is it's like that's in a lot of ways a place where people sort of make their pilgrimage to find something. You know, that's why that Sinatra song is so you know beloved because it kind of <laughs> says it all. You know, it's like about the city. You know, it's like wow, it's true. Yeah. Did you find like? So growing up in New York then, did you find it to be a land of opportunity in a way for you? I, I didn't think like that. I didn't think like that at all when I was growing up. I wasn't thinking about opportunity. I was thinking about how to get stoned and get in trouble and, you know, <laughs> hang out and play basketball and not go to school and listen to music and, yeah, just be a deviant. I wasn't thinking about opportunity at all. I didn't have any any vision of like the future i still don't (laughs) (laughs) well that's not always a bad thing i think uh, a lot of times it's like what's your five-year plan it's like man i've 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 never even had a five-year plan man i know (laughs) i'm I'm not even i mean it just it's it's too daunting i'm too scared of that because i guess maybe maybe i'm afraid of failing but it's more just like i don't know plans seem to somehow never work out anyway it's more like uh yeah, I don't know. I've just never been good at making plans. But I have had a lot of luck in my life. You need some luck, but I definitely have not made plans, you know. From my experience, it's like I've gotten to do so many things that I honestly dreamed of doing. You know, right. people that I've played with in Minneapolis and uh-huh. scenarios where I've gotten to work with and collaborate on different projects. Like, But none of them from my memory worked out like I thought they would. And right. so that stuff, like you're saying, you need, you need a good amount of luck in, in a lot of ways. It's like living with an open hand is almost the only way to, to make that happen. And so that's why the whole five-year plan thing never really 
at least with the creative people that I talk with, it never really resonates because it's like, how do you even have a five year plan? Yeah, you got to take some you got to I think, you know, it's good to take some risks in your life because if you never risk anything, you'll never, you know, you'll never find, you know, the exciting situations. So sometimes you have to take risks. It took me a long time, though, to I don't know. I wasted a lot of time in my life basically because I wasn't an organized person and I wasn't uh, I wasn't very disciplined, you know. Um, but it's all right. I somehow made it through. So this far yeah. anyway. The the cancer tried to get me, but yeah, yeah. But the radiation stopped it. It's gonna <laughs> take. It's gonna take more than that. Uh, you know, probably get hit by a car or something is more likely. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was a bike messenger when I was a kid and somehow I got hit by a car once by a car door, but I could have been killed so many times, but somehow I managed to avert death. But dang, it'll probably be something stupid like that. Something that you have no control over, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, man, that's super cool. I'm just, I'm just enamored with the fact that you grew up in, in New York city. So what's you say like, I mean, you, you know, got out of school and stuff like that. When did you get into playing guitar or I guess music in general? Um, like what, um, like when did that become a part of your life and did that have any role? Cause for me, it like music had a huge role to play in why I sort of blew off school. Right. It's like, I was like, well, this matters. School doesn't matter. Um, I wasn't really blowing off school because of music. I was not. Yeah, I, I was, you know, maybe, you know, 15, 16 when I really started to dig on guitar a lot. And then um, for some crazy reason, I had really good grades, even though I missed a lot of class, but I was a good test taker. And I would, you know, and I, I kind of lived a bit of a dual life. I would lie to my parents, but I would make sure I turned in my work so that I never, you know... I never got like kicked out of school or anything. In fact, the opposite. I had a good scholastic record, um, and I got accepted to to music school to Berkeley in Boston, even though I couldn't even read music. I still can't barely read music, and I think it was mostly based on grades. I did an audition, and I was pretty incompetent. But um, but when I got there, that was the place that I really realized, wow, you suck. And number two. I really got the bug though of wanting to try and you know play music a lot more you know play with other people because they do that a lot or they did that they I'm sure they still do there's a lot of ensemble playing and then I met a whole bunch of other people there it was really about the the other students some of the other students I met um that really then took me in a direct because I only stayed at music school for a year um yeah but but I met I met a couple of really great people from uh, Barbados who one of the cats taught me how to play Calypso and, and reggae really he really kind of like schooled me and then another cat from there um, got me a gig on the island of Barbados for about a year I played with another friend of mine that I was in a band with at music school uh, played in like a you know, a Calypso and reggae and top 40 cover band in Barbados. So I was probably about 20, went over and lived there for a year and, you know, played six nights a week at different clubs around the island. And that was kind of, so I always think of like music school was the thing that got me a gig and got me to really meet 
you know, start to meet musicians and start to really, um, you know, not play guitar just in a bedroom, but to, you know, be out there and play music with people around. And it was so fun and so exciting. And, you know, I didn't, I couldn't imagine doing any, you know, there was nothing else I wanted to do. And so I just kept going. But yeah, getting into like musical, which a lot of, you know, I mean, my roommate at music school is this, you know, Grammy award winning keyboardist and producer named Matt Rawlings, who lives in Nashville now. And, you know, we were, we were still close friends and he's like a genius musician, you know, on a level I will never attain. And he was my roommate. So just going to music school and just hanging out with people, uh, that was pretty, you know, what what a crazy cool experience for, you know, a knucklehead guitar player like me who barely could play five chords, you know, to get to hang out with this cat. Because, you know, when you're young, people don't judge you too harsh. And if you're, you know, if you become friends, then, you know, and um, anyway, so going to music school was cool. I wish I had... You know, if I have one regret, I wish I had learned to read music better. I was never good at studying and I should have pursued that more. But I left after a year. It was kind of expensive for me anyway. I was paying my own way. And um, and then I got this yeah. gig in Barbados. So it worked out just fine. But um, yeah, that's so that was kind of it. You know, from late teens, I was, um, you know, I was living with a friend of mine. His, his mom rented me a room in their apartment because... Uh, I moved out on my own and um, he he's, you know, a super successful drummer, this guy, Zach Alford. And he's the one that got me my first gig in New York City. He introduced me to the guitar player in one of his bands that taught me like the first thing I ever knew on guitar. So it was all really just almost by accident or by, you know, fate that I kind of started to play guitar and meet musicians and stuff like that. I was, yeah. I wasn't like a shredder kid who stayed in my bedroom for hours shredding and it's kind of why I still pretty much suck and you know can't play heavy metal or anything but I really just fell in love with it anyway and I was just determined to keep going so that was that yeah yeah well those are my like in my opinion those are the best parts of the community surrounding music anyways is when you're actually because I mean there's there's some uh there's definitely like credibility to the the person who locks themselves away and is like I'm gonna be you know a hermit for the next year oh man become insane I admire those people greatly and I've had to like catch up I've had to you know enforce discipline on myself over the years and really you know it came to a point where I didn't have enough in my hands or knowledge to like do what I wanted to continue doing. I had to, I had to get some discipline and get my shit together. I wish I had done it earlier and I admire young people that are like, you know, have that vision. You know, some of it has to do with your, you know, your talent level. It's like, if you have a lot of, you know, talent as a youth or you're in a household where music is like the the main language, those, those things are going to come naturally, you know, I guess that kind of discipline is going to come naturally, but it's not always the case, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I do love that. Um, one of the, one of the biggest catalysts for like your experience has been just meeting so-and-so, you know, I feel like the best opportunities and the best experiences I've had is like, Hey, this really cool person I met 
wants to do XYZ. Well, yeah, you know, my old friend Zach, the drummer, he and I had been friends since we're eight years old because our parents were in the same, put us in the same after school program. So he wasn't yet a drummer, actually. And we were eight. I mean, we really were pretty young. And so that really is kind of um, testing that, you know, the hand of fate because I didn't, you know, we were all into like, you know, building models and comic books and stuff and then he quickly became a you know a drummer at an early age of you know a working drummer by the time we were 12 he was in bands doing gigs in new york city because he was Damn. great because he's great and um and i was kind of like watching him from the sideline and then when i moved in with him and his mom that's when i really he was you know the guitar player in his band was like yeah check this out and showed me something and that's when i really fell in love so it was at like kind of an accident almost it's weird but it was pretty cool i'm 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 lucky man man i vibe with that big time i feel like so so many of the opportunities my reaction to like different musical opportunities is just like how you know how did this even happen and just gratitude but yeah well you know you got to pay a lot of dues i've you know i i definitely did some crazy gigs you know that were had a lot of you know that weren't always so cool you know and yeah and plenty you know i've paid a lot of dues you know not every musician has to do that some people are just they're pretty incredible from soon after they start and they just they just go but i i really had to come about it in fits and starts and stops and i'm still there i'm still doing that to some extent but you know but i seriously had to pay a lot of dues and i didn't you know so it wasn't always like but i never thought about it at the time so much like that i just although i would be cursing my life sometimes but i never really <laughs> thought i didn't really think of it as like this is the stepping stone that's going to get me here that didn't really happen it wasn't until i really got into a band with somebody and and we wanted to get a record deal that i had a goal that was like my first music goal really was well first it was to get a gig just have somebody hire me to play guitar and then it was to be in a band and then once it was in a band get a record deal and then once we get a record deal we broke up and then it was like okay now what the hell do i do so um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but you know yeah it's hard to um to in you know to visualize things as a young person i think coming up as a musician and you know you're and you're really thinking just about the music anyway you're not thinking you know you're not thinking about like and survival, but you're not really necessarily thinking about, I don't know, what's the best way to go about doing this, you know? We, we were, right. I at, wasn't, at my, my generation anyway, we weren't, it was, you know, the internet has changed a lot of that, and like, the thing we're doing now, like podcasts and stuff, that kind of information and sharing of experience did not exist when I was, you know, your age, youngster, shiny boy. Yeah. No, it seriously <laughs> did not, it seriously did not, you know? So, yeah. So my experience of, you know, figuring it out is so much different, I think, than than like people coming up now. Uh, uh, there's well, yeah. always similar. There's always similarities and there's always contrast. In, but yeah, um, definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I even with my guitar instructor uh, of many years, um, this guy named Jaden, who who's doing stuff in Atlanta right now. But he uh, is only a couple years older than me, and 
some of the tools that I've used and he's seen me use for just like preparing for a set or like, hey, I really just want to pick apart this solo and see what I can take from it and things like that. And he's like looking at some of the tools I'm using, you know, to just like whether it's like I use this app called AnyTune Pro and it just like you can import audio and then you can slow it down or speed it up. You can transpose it and it's all just on your phone. And uh, <laughs> I remember he just saw me using it once because I was learning like I was I was doing a synth solo and it was so freaking fast and I just had to pick it apart. Right. Um, and it and slows like, it down without changing the pitch. Right. Right. And so it's like elastic was, audio or something. Yeah. And he was just like, man, that would have been nice to have when I was learning some solos. Right. That's you why know, I never so, learned any solos. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> right. that's too hard, man. No. Well, and that makes me think too. I'm I I I'm fascinated to know how my playing and experience overall would be different if I grew up, you know, if if I was born 10 years earlier or 10 years later. I'm afraid that's not possible. Unless maybe you're reincarnated, you could ask your old self, get in touch with the universe. Right on. But, but you know, you live in Minneapolis, you got like Shit, man, there's good musical history there. Damn. The more I'm exposed to what's going on in Minneapolis, the more I'm I feel very fortunate. You know, cuz I could have I I don't know. <laughs> like Iowa's to the south and I don't know what's going on in Iowa. There could be nothing. There could be a bustling music scene, but I'm just like, man, I'm grateful that I don't think I there's a city in Iowa close. that compares to Minneapolis. I don't. I I'm yeah. not to insult any Iowans and I have a couple of good friends that are Iowans. In fact, I have one that's in the Iowa Music Hall of Fame, and he's an amazing musician. But he didn't stick around there. And in fact, he lived in Minneapolis for a bunch of years. And there was a definitely a bustling music scene there for him. You know, mm -hmm. so so I just feel very fortunate that I grew up. You know, I, like I said, I grew up out in the in the country, but I still grew up, you know, an hour and a half from, you know, a music city with with quite a bit of history. So right. I feel very fortunate for that. Right, but. And and you know what that's you know what that's like because you <laughs> grew up in New York City for sure. You know I think it's sometimes it's as much about um, like events that happen to you can influence the way you do music as much as anything. You know it's kind of like you know things that happen to you in your life. It doesn't. It could be something you know that's completely non music related, but it might affect the way you become a musician, inform how you think about things or feel about things, and you know I don't know. I don't really know. I know nothing. Yeah. So now we're we're getting into the part of the show where I'm going to name drop a little bit. Yeah, go for um, it. Cuz I got I got to bring it up. So your Instagram uh bio says uh let me let me read it verbatim if that's all right with you. Yeah, it's fine. I wouldn't have put it up there if it wasn't. You know, I've I've had to get over the um you know when I got on Instagram, I had to kind of get over um, talking about myself and I quickly did <laughs> because you know <laughs> you know there's a reason why Narcissus was such a famous and popular Greek mythological character because there's you know especially musicians you know self-involved musicians are but you know everybody likes a little a little love but it's you know it was definitely alien at first now I'm like yeah man no yeah <laughs> no but go for it yeah uh, yeah so Sarah Bareilles obviously mm. is the first one that catches my eye. I know a couple of well, I know. Um, St do you know Steve Gould? Did you ever play with Steve? 
I have not played with Steve Gould. No. Because um, I know for a while he was playing, I think he was touring with Sarah Bareilles for, uh, for well, a while. Well, I worked on one record with her um, and okay. a, record, a record called Kaleidoscope Heart. And uh, yeah. it was an amazing experience and really great with a gr- really good old friend of mine, an amazing drummer named Victor Indrizzo, who's played on a gazillion records and stuff. Um, and, uh, and a and a pretty legendary LA bass player named Justin Melville Johnson and um and uh and Sarah who's she's man she's unbelievable um but anyway yeah so that's that's my experience with her so it was really like you know you're talking about spent a week with her but I did get to play on that record it was it was a really great experience it was really cool and the record I like the record a lot and some records that I've gotten to play on, I don't necessarily ever go back and listen to. That's one record that I'll put it on and listen to it because it's really cool. She's a badass pianist in her own right and singer and songwriter. And um, yeah. so she's definitely very self uh, reliant. You know, she could make a whole record by herself basically of just her vocal and piano and it would rock, you know. And in fact, one of the challenges of working on that record was, you know, the piano is, is such a big force in in those songs it's like finding a way to make you know play something on guitar that will somehow add to this thing that doesn't really actually need that much um and that was yeah you know um but the producer a guy named neil avron was very sensitive great ears and listening to the whole thing and you know and it was a pretty organic process we were all kind of in a room over at sunset sound which is where prince recorded 1999 actually um and uh yeah kind of uh yeah things seem you know it was fun it was cool but uh, yeah i love that uh what you said about um like trying to find something that adds to this thing that doesn't necessarily need a lot of of the you know the instrument's voice that you're bringing to it Mm -hmm. that is at least in my in my experiences that is simultaneously the most fun and the most terrifying it could be scary yeah it could be scary you know know. i think uh i think you know listen to the drummer listen to the singer and then kind of go with your gut a lot if you can unless somebody's telling you something very specific to do in which case listen and try and do that if you can um but i'd say you know if you listen to the drummer and you listen to the singer those are like the two things that will really help help you find the place to be in the music um obviously you have to listen to all the instruments and you and sometimes you know you're you're the one that like the song is leaning on but um yeah it is it's it can be scary man it definitely can be scary but it can be really it can be really fun too especially if you know your gut instinct takes you there quickly and you get there then you're like oh off to the races um and um, yeah. you know and you know when you usually if it comes from the gut it's better if it comes from the head it's rarely as good I find and <laughs> yeah. some, and sometimes it, you know sometimes you have to like kind of sort of hum it to yourself first you know um, and yeah. even even if it's not the exact thing but just kind of like get yourself there in the headspace by like you know yeah I don't know imagining it 
and then do it. Yeah, a lot of times, a lot of times the stuff that like I think the best tracks I've laid down uh, for other people were ones that they were just like, yeah, uh, and they're just like singing it. You know, they've got a melody or a counter melody in their head, and they just sing it. And I'm like, okay, well that's amazing. And then you know, you play it, and and it's great. Um, a lot of great guitar ideas come from non-guitarists. Yeah, you, you have know. to be very, you know, that was a hard lesson for me to learn because I always wanted to come up, I always want to just play what I want to play. I, I never really wanted to coming up, you know, be told what to do just because I'm, I guess I've got a massive ego. No. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, <laughs> I am, think we all do. I'm just like stubborn. I just like to do what I do, you know, because I know that I'm going to be better at that than something, anything else because, you know, it's going to sound better. But um, I really had to learn how to take ideas from anyone in the room, you know, and sometimes people give you bad ideas. So, but you kind of have to hold, you know, you kind of have to just hold back and, but you're right. Sometimes non-guitarists will give you great ideas and, um, and, uh, you know, sometimes you, everything will come just from reacting. And generally I don't like to hear the music at all before we start to record you know maybe listen down to the song once but you know and just kind of react is usually when the coolest stuff comes up but not always not always um and sometimes you know there has it you know it's already dictated what it needs to be just because of the nature of the song or the nature of the style and within that hopefully you can you know your flavor will just make it sound good you know but yeah that's super um, cool a lot of it too is your choice of you know what because you know guitar there's so many choices of sound you know so a lot of a lot of the you know the getting get coming up with something is like well what sound am i gonna you know am i trying to go for you know you don't think yeah, about it like what texture you don't, or color. Yeah, you don't think about it like a like you know like a thing on a menu but you just after a while and you've you've you know you've developed maybe a few different ways of doing things you kind of just your gut just tells you what to grab and kind of what to do sometimes it's wrong and like that's it you got to be able to change really fast if it's not working or if it's not working for the people that it matters to i.e the artist or the producer then you you just have to really just flick that switch off and let go of that and move on and try something else that's also a difficult thing to to get to get at, to get with you know is changing directions real quick if it's not happening or if if it's not being if it's not being loved you know in the room but yeah yeah i i've also noticed um not taking things personally is like one of the biggest assets um, it's hard to do it, I, for me it, it was it was very it's been very hard to do for me because mostly because yeah. of insecurity you know it's like god i suck so then you cling to what you're doing because you're like you know you're too insecure to admit like it's not good but i'll do something better you know that's hard to do if you're insecure you know right or sometimes you come like super prepared and you feel you feel so confident in what it's going to be and then they're like no you do <laughs> you're like I, I never show up like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, that's not true. If I'm working with like somebody that I've worked with a bunch of times, then, you know, I'll have that night, that, that feeling of like where I won't be thinking too much. But sometimes you go into situations where you don't know what's, what's, you know, and it could be like, wow, pressure. 
Yeah. Um, it just depends. Do you get do you get nervous in in those sessions like when you're when you're working with like a new person and you're like man I don't know exactly what their vibe is like what they're going to think of my playing uh you know not you know most of the things that I get to do are word of mouth so I not so much anymore because I have in the past but these days if somebody's bringing me in it's generally cuz you know I'm probably close to competent enough to be able to accomplish what they need. So I'm not usually in situations where I'm not capable of doing it. You know, the parts that gets nervous sometimes is when, you know, it's all you other musicians are sitting around and you want to be fast doing an overdub or doing something, you know, and you, you know, you want to do it quickly Mm, and well, that's the heart. That's the part that maybe sometimes gets a little nerve wracking, but you know, other than that, most of the situations I find myself in, I'm I'm not there because, you know, I'm there because somebody recommended me. And so they know that, you know, I probably could get, get through it. And if, you know, they wouldn't put me in a situation where, you know, they're not going to put me in a studio having to read a big band chart because then I would fail and be fired in like three seconds or, you know, <laughs> you know, it, whatever. There's a lot of situations I can't hang in. I'm not, I'm not a... Um, there are a lot of musicians all around the world and in this town plenty that can kind of do any style and are so versatile it blows my mind i'm not that versatile i i you know i have a few things that i can get with i you know i'm more it's more like i can bend the things i know how to do to fit in a bunch of different situations but you know i'm not really i don't consider myself you know a, a chameleon as a musician and I know some people yeah. that really are and they're incredible they can really make their way around any style because they're that good basically and they're that yeah. in command of their instrument and of their knowledge of music and just you know they're so good but you know but sometimes the sometimes what you want too is is almost like somebody who isn't going to you're like all right this is a jazz song and so they just flip a switch and then they're the jazz virtuoso. Some, there's something really cool too about uh, like what you're describing where you're taking what you know and what your thing is and sort of molding it to fit into that thing, even if it's not like the the quintessential that thing. Right, right. Hey, hold on one second. So sorry. Hey, Derek, can we pause for a second? I got to just do something outside. It's pouring rain. And I got to bring something in from outside. Can you hang for a minute? Oh, no problem. I'll be right back. Yeah. All right. Cool. Hey, man, I'm back. Sorry. No, it's all good. L.A. has no drainage. So, like, when it rains for, like, an hour here, the streets become just, like, little lakes because we're just not equipped for it. But we need it desperately. And L.A. is so beautiful in the spring when we have a good rainy season. It's kind of, like, the most gorgeous place on Earth, really, to me. One of them. LA is really beautiful, man. I fell in love with LA the second the plane door opened. I really did. It's kind of, you know, I think it's like that for some people, and then for others, it's the opposite. But yeah, I love it. I had been living in London anyway when I got here. I'd never been to California before, and I it London's an amazing place, but it's pretty dark and depressing after a while. And yeah, so the contrast could not have been greater. And you know, and I've ended up living in LA longer than any place I ever lived in my life by a, by a long shot. You know, but yeah. Oh yeah. So, sort of backtracking. Yes. Uh, 
the the thing that you were describing about like how you're not necessarily like what people would call the chameleon where you can just sort of like immediately flip a switch but sometimes i feel like that's almost better it, it depends on the scenario sometimes that's even cooler because it's taking your thing and it's making it work in that new environment and that's kind of how you get you know new sounds in a lot of ways um, well i do think I feel like yeah i do think it's important or it's cool when musicians can find something that they love that's kind of you know hopefully somewhat unique to them that's like their you know a way of approaching playing music um you know there's a lot of amazing musicians out there who are highly skilled and very schooled um but i'm not so sure that some of those people have yet found their own voice in that on on their instrument everybody has their own voice i i don't want to sound you know i'm not i'm not judging anybody or and i don't know shit but um yeah i think it's good to like sometimes you know if you can figure out your even if it's a very simplistic or you know i don't know just yeah dumb way of making noise or making sound if it works and people like it then that's cool and if you can find a way to do that and you can sort of make that work in a few different you know, with different in different situations, you really, it really is, it's pretty great. And it kind of comes back to the vibe of like, if it sounds good, it is good. Because I've heard so many different producers and songwriters and composers just like, they're like, I don't give a fuck what what you did to make the sound. If it if it sounds great, right? You know, if it's if it's fitting the vibe or if it's taking it to an interesting place that's appropriate. It's like, who who really cares anyways? Well, you know, music is this vast universe. There's everything from like the most gorgeous symphonic recordings with musicians who have like amazing intonation and they're all following a conductor. This highly, incredibly intricate and beautiful piece of like a symphonic piece or something. And then there's fucking Joan Jett, man. And it's all great. I, I kind of had to stop, you know, being in a band we were always so competitive so i was always like judging music a lot even though i loved all music but you know you're like our band is we, we want to be the best and once i got out of that headspace of like you know i really had to like i still find myself doing that as a musician like my kids will play me stuff and i'm like god that's like lame and then i <laughs> think to myself well let me listen to it in a different way and hear what they like about it and usually i can find something in it that's really cool that's like not always, but sometimes, you know, music is a pretty vast universe. So there's enough space for everybody, I think, to like do their thing. Um, you know, yeah. it's got it's gotten more so and it's only getting more like that, you know, as you know, as the world kind of, you know, de-evolves or whatever. Because, you know, it used to yeah. be like there was, you know, well, in Western Europe, there was classical music. And in Africa, there was like traditional African style music. And then, you know, then you well basically you know all our american popular music is you know we wouldn't be anything without the blues and that came from africa and you know right. and now a whole bunch of other styles of music have you know developed out of like people that uh, some of them were developed from people who aren't traditional musicians you know i mean you know sitting at a computer and programming like some incredible beat 
you know, doesn't happen from going to music school necessarily and studying, you know, C major seven. It's like, right. no, that's a different type of like amazing talent and skill and takes a different kind of like, you know, uh, creativity, you know, and the more music expands like that, you know, the more possibilities they are. And, and, you know, I think ultimately, you know, the less judgment you kind of, you can have your taste. We all like what we like and we don't like what we don't like, but you know, right. You know, if, if you can kind of put your judge, cause as musicians, we have a little bit of a tendency or I do anyway, sometimes to judge things based on how well I think it was done or blah, the friggin' blah. But ultimately that doesn't yeah. really matter, you know, but well, and the thing too is like, I, I used to have a huge bias towards things that I'm like, this wasn't done as well as it could have been. Like if, if the playing was kind of hacked or if like the songwriting isn't quite what I think it could have been, but there's something about just getting past that and recognizing what is there that is super strong because I just, I shut myself out of a lot of styles that I've come around to really love and Uh love playing those styles um, but for a long time, I was sort of like keeping them at, at arm's length because it was just like, you know, I'm like, ah, you know, I'm not a hack and that guitar player is kind of a hack, you know, or like, I don't want to be a hack. Right. But, but it's like, but, but then just completely ignoring <laughs> what the style is and what the vibe right. is. You know, well, try and sound like the guitar in a Sex Pistols record and really make it authentic and make it, you know, fucking rock like that and you'll be like damn that motherfucker whoever's playing that guitar is like badass motherfucker now that might be the only thing that cat can do but like it's vicious so it's really not until you really try and do something that you you know that's you know has a super strong personality like that whether it be complex or not that you really go like whoa man that's fucking amazing you know um yeah but but anyway i don't know what i'm talking about i really don't um i love it um so to to drop a few more names i just want to go through your uh your bio again we don't have enough time for that no i'm just kidding man (laughs) (laughs) i'm messing with you we'll be back after these messages with these names there's not enough letters no. in the alphabet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so freaking Tim McGraw, Casey Musgrave, Sarah Bareilles once again, Lana Del Rey, Faith Hill, Shakira, Eminem. What a freaking bio. Um, when I first, and I'll admit, like, when I first came across you on Instagram, I'm not sure who followed who first or how I even found your stuff. Um but I was like, it was just so baffling to me. I'm like, okay, uh, 600 followers. And then I read your bio and I was like, what the fuck? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm no, I'm no famous musician. I'm just a side man, you know, who's gotten to work with some really great people. I mean, I don't think, I don't think I should have a lot of followers. I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. It's, and, and, um, you know, I do like watching, I do like listening and looking at other musicians on Instagram because they're, man, there's so many incredible ones. But uh, yeah, yeah, my bio looks pretty good, I guess. 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. <laughs> did a yeah, lot no. of those did did a lot of that stuff uh come about in LA? Um my whole pretty much everything I've done as a guitar player of, you know, happened after I moved to LA. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's all been in and, LA. And but I mean, I've traveled around the world with people and I've recorded in other parts of the world um, with people and I've worked with some international art, some artists from other places too that nobody here might may not have heard of but who are in their region of the world they're pretty popular and um, and uh, and LA has a whole other scene too of like incredible you know um, you know Latin artists that I've gotten to work with um, that really blows my mind um and uh that's been one of the great joys of being here the past decade or so is you know getting to work with artists that sing in a language that i can really only speak like a dummy i can barely speak spanish and these producers and musicians (laughs) that i've gotten to work with who are so talented and other instruments that i've been turned on to that i never really was hip to and other rhythms and you know and some of it's just in a pop music style but then some of it is like in this very kind of different you know vibe you know different grooves and stuff that are not you know particular to you know typical you know american pop and r&b and rock and roll music it's it's got its own thing you know like um yesterday i you know got to work with this singer from mexico who's like the guy's amazing and he's pretty legendary he's pretty famous you know, uh, his name is Alejandro Fernandez, and he's like, he comes from a long tradition of, or at least his father was a very famous mariachi singer, and he can sing the shit out of some mariachi, but he's since had an amazing career as like kind of a, a pop artist or a, just a singer, you know, I don't know what you call his music, it's just cool music, you know, but it's not mariachi necessarily. Um, yeah. But you know this record that i worked on it has like accordion and vihuela and you know guitarron and like uh you know these badass beautiful instruments that are really particular either to you know to you know mexico or maybe there's some you know there's other there's many other instruments you know um from other parts of of the world that get used that don't get used so much and, in in pop music or you know here but then if i work with some of those artists and i you know gravitate towards that if i can pick up one of those things and figure out enough of it to kind of play a little bit in my own style on it then i have another amazing sound to offer to people and i've been able to do that which is really cool that's so freaking cool i've never even heard of those instruments you mentioned yeah or like a cavaquinho uh or like uh i don't know there's so many but and, that's and, so freaking cool yeah and a lot of them are guitar related so if you're a guitar player they're kind of like right there for you to kind of grab and figure out how to make a sound on them um but and i've uh, also seen like some cool stuff come like you're saying like you take those concepts or those tones those textures and you then have something else to to like pull from for inspiration when you're doing your own instrument um like i've seen i've seen like plenty of cool stuff happen on guitar where it's like getting sitar tones because you just like lower the action so much to where it's just buzz uh-huh. and things like that to where like 
you can draw some pretty badass inspiration from a completely different world of music. That's true, you know. But Los Angeles in particular, because of its location and because of its history, we have such a strong, you know, Latino population and representation here. There's so many great musicians here from that world that, like, if you're lucky enough, you might get to, you know, you might get to live in that world a little bit too. And that's all. That's what I was kind of trying to describe is like how fortunate I've been to, you know, even have a glimpse into what being, you know, participating in that musical world because it's really cool. And much in the same way yeah. as working, you know, having gotten to work in Nashville and particularly with Tim McGraw for a while now, like is something I never thought of or dreamed of, you know, and not not mu musicians outside of the country world, a lot of them never never you know that's it's happening less it's happening more and more where worlds collide but you know living in los angeles and playing guitar there's not that great a chance that you're going to end up playing with you know a great nashville based singer you know a legend like that or somebody and all these musicians you know amazing musicians from nashville who, who kind of you know all music's related it all comes from the blues it all comes from like you know it all comes from that or the kind of music that we're talking about anyway. Um, so yeah. it's, you know, but it is still a, a very different world. And I feel very lucky, not only, you know, so being here to have gotten to, you know, uh, live in that world a little bit too. It's like, wow, man, really cool. Something I never would have, I never thought about or imagined or dreamed of, you know, when I was thinking about like, you know, surviving as a musician and playing music with other people. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty lucky, man. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, but so yeah, go ahead, man. Keep keep them coming. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm happy to tell you about any, you know, how I like, you know, it is because it's. I kind of yeah, like I said, I'm pretty lucky to have gotten to work with such a variety of um, artists. Kind of crazy. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Do you do you do music of your own? Like, are you um, doing quite a bit of work? I guess not even necessarily like your own projects, but do you do a lot of work remotely, or is a lot of your stuff going like in person? So and so, we're it's, you know it, like doing a session at this studio. I'd say it's more in person, but I do more and more over the past few years, more and more from home. Um, uh, and um, you know, as far as writing music, I've been a ghostwriter um, for years uh, working on a TV show and since then have worked on a couple of movies and a few movies. And so I really like that a lot. I really, you know, have taken to music and picture and I've gotten to work on a few movies as a guitar player, um, even though I'm like a horrendous reader, a few composers have taken pity on me and let me play on some of their scores <laughs> and and that really kind of wet my appetite and then i you know through a friend of mine an old friend of mine it just again once again lady luck stepped in and were and you know knowing the knowing somebody um got to start wor doing working on scores that really had nothing to do with guitar it was all like you know orchestra and and synths and stuff a little bit of guitar so there's this other thing that i really love to do that i'm you know Again, I have no master plan for, but I really have. I love. I've always loved film since I'm a little kid. I've just loved 
films. You know, I would if I, if I fell in love with a movie, I could watch it five times. Much the same with books. If I when I was a kid, if like I must have read Lord of the Rings like seven times, all the books because I just loved it so much. Um, loved them so much because I don't know they just spoke to me for whatever reason. But um, yeah, so those credits I haven't listed on Instagram, but I've worked on I've worked on some cool movies as a guitar player, which is also really fun to get to go to a movie theater and hear stuff that you've played on or see your name on a film credit. That's pretty awesome. Especially for someone like me who could barely read music. It's like, wow, how'd you, had you luck into that? Like I said, I, you know, right. Like how did we get here? <laughs> I, well, I, you know, and then you realize, and then it's always the thing of you're only as good as the last session you did anyway. So you never want to, you know, you never really want to say, how did I get here? Cause you're never really there unless you're like a legendary you know, musician, a legendary session person or sideman, which I am not, you're really only as good as the last thing you did. If, you know, it's true. I mean, I've heard that said by actors. I've heard that said by all sorts of people, like, you know, you know, you're only as good as your last hit or you're only as good as your last this or that. And it definitely holds true for musicians. I think, you know, if you really screw up on a session, people are scared to call you again, even if you've worked for them 20 times and done a great job, you know, it's hard. It's like the capitalist side of of working in you know freelance. I, yeah, I just think it's the nature of the nature of human beings. It's like you know, you know, you're just if somebody screws up, you don't want to call them again because you're like, well, maybe they're going to screw up again. You know, it just depends. Right. Um, but uh, there's another side of things that I've gotten to do that has to do with film and stuff, and you know, that's really kind of really fun, really cool, and really fun and requires a different kind of, to some degree, somewhat of a different skill set, although oftentimes the reason why I've gotten called to do any film sessions or anything is kind of because of the way I, you know, plan a record or something. You know, it's got that kind of like, that's a similar approach, you know. But um, but those can be very nerve-wracking dates. Woo! Especially when this chart's involved, man, because I suck at reading, and it's like, damn, you know, but... yeah. Yeah, reading terrifies me. Well, it's embarrassing to be, a, you know, a musician and say you can't read music. It's like it's an, I, mean, I like embarrass myself, but unfortunately, that's just the state of things, you know. Would you say you have a, a few like records that people can go check out? I know you mentioned the the Cerberellis record. Um, uh, I, just so that people can like hear your playing and hear your vibe. I mean, you know, if you if you, I know a lot of people like Casey Musgraves and. Her first record, I'm like all over that record. You could hear a lot of stuff on there. You know, I've recorded on some Alanis Morissette records. Um, I've recorded on all of Tim McGraw's records. Um, although I'm not the only guitar player on those records, and a lot of them that I've worked on, uh, the other guitar player oftentimes was, uh, not always, because there's been some Nashville cats who were great who played on some of those things, but the other guitar player a lot of the time was Michael Landau, who's like, you know, one of the gods of guitar so i can't lay credit for some of the coolest stuff on those records but if you listen to the you know to the rhythm chances are you'll hear me or you might hear me playing some melody stuff too um i don't know um i used to be in a band with a guy named kevin gilbert who passed away who's this phenomenal did everything musician um and um he had a band called caviar with a k and we made a record and you can hear a lot of you know another side of me on that record that's not like on a lot of these um, pop records that I've played on. But uh, 
I played on this band called La Santa Cecilia recently that came out, and there's some really cool and different sounding stuff on that. Um, you know, um, I don't know, Lana Del Rey, Del Rey records that I've played on a couple. I'm not hired as like a virtuoso guitar player. So this stuff I do is, you know, it's about sound and, you know, rhythm, texture. Those things are, you know, if I was a young guitar player, I wouldn't be going like, I want, you know, unless I, those artists, if you love listening to them, then I would say, go listen. And then, you know, listen for the guitar and you'll hear, you know, maybe you'll like something on there. I've played on a bunch of Shakira records. Um, but, you know, the thing you're going to remember when you listen to those records is Shakira, because that's what it's about, you know, because I am specifically really kind of like, I don't often get to play on band records because they always have a guitar player in the band already. I'm playing on like, you know, pop records where there's a lot going on sometimes or there's, um, you know, it's really about the singer. Um, and uh, I played on Michael McDonald's last record. There's some really cool guitar on there that I'm proud of that's kind of pretty funky and cool. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I played on the new... Uh, the new Shaft movie I played the wah guitar on like the theme from the movie it was pretty cool like the classic Isaac Hayes tune you know I kind of did the revamp of that you know which is very like that's so cool 70s kind of crazy funk or um, yeah yeah if, if you listen to like the Horrible Bosses soundtrack it's pretty raw and pretty cool and it has a lot of like kind of you know Beastie Boys meets Rage kind of guitar stuff on it. That's pretty much me on that, on those soundtracks. Um, Dude, that sounds like a freaking blast. It was really fun. That was amazing. I got to work with some great musicians and the the composer, this guy Christopher Leonard's is super cool. And the movie was really funny and those sessions were really fun. Um, and uh, in fact, Money Mark, the keyboard player, that badass musician, he was in the Beastie Boys. Um, he kind of helped really, you know, deliver, helped shape the sound of that record to some degree. And it was really cool to be in a room with him for, for days making, you know, cause it's like raw is the way man, raw and nasty and funky, you know, and some other records yeah. that I get to play on, it has to be the opposite. It has to be really beautiful and, and, you know, and, um, uh, kind of yeah not not raw the opposite of that whatever that is um you know um <laughs> unraw un well i try to do you know i definitely try and do things sometimes that are very dreamy on guitar that don't necessarily sound like guitar um i'm always searching for that kind of thing too if i can find it um this is super random but you ever played with brent mason no i could not hang in a room with brent mason man he's like a virtuosic <laughs> <laughs> I've probably played on I might have played on a record that he's on like maybe possibly maybe not maybe not actually I don't know but no he's you know I, I'd be scared to be in a room with him he's he's a virtuoso man I mean I could be like rhythm guitar in a room with him on a record sure that I could do but I would you know it's like when I record you know McGraw records with Landau like I'm not about to take any guitar solos with Michael Landau in the room. You know, it's like no friggin' way, man. For those yeah. of you who know who Michael Landau is, if you don't, you should find out because he's like one of the greatest ever. But yeah, um, yeah, especially you young, he, you young guitarists out there. Yeah. <laughs> is he in LA right now? 
I believe he lives in LA. Yeah, he has. Yeah. He's, okay. He's, he's he's born and raised. He's like quintessential LA badass motherfucker, basically. You know. That's so cool. Yeah, like he's like guitar player's guitar player. When he plays in town, like it's full of guitar players coming to watch him play. Dude, I freaking love shows like that where you go and it's all people who are doing this for a living and we, it's there's something special about it. Well, that, like brings the community together. Well, especially when the person on stage is like the god amongst everybody else and they're all like, you know, <laughs> drooling cuz it's so beautiful and they're like, "How did you do that?" It's like watching a magician like, you know, disappear right. in front of you. It's just wow, mind-blowing, you know. Um, you know, and I've gotten to see some great concerts in my life, you know. Uh, I got to see Jeff Buckley play once before he died. That was amazing. And on wow. a and on a guitar level too, like amazing on a guitar level. Not just on a yeah. singer and songwriter and, and, you know, spiritual level, which all those things, it was amazing. And then there's a lot of obscure guitar players of genres of music that are not pop or, you know, that I could name, but nobody on your, that listens to your podcast probably ever knew who they are, you know, <laughs> like Roland Deance or the Assad brothers. Like, to me, they're like these, you know, they're famous in their own worlds, but they're not too much in the you know the the recording popular world of popular music that that like we inhabit you know yeah yeah and that's a good way to put it i think with like they're famous in their world and that doesn't that doesn't uh negate what it is at all uh my in my opinion well if anything it raises them up because you know how it is man the things you know mcdonald's is the most popular restaurant but it's probably the worst you know it's like you know but <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like popularity doesn't necessarily judge and and worst and best in some ways. It's like the best at giving you an instant fix of something that's really bad for you. And that's if you really, you know, judge it from a quality standpoint, it's probably pretty nasty, you know, compared to like, you know, the finest steak from a five star Michelin restaurant. But, you know, most people would way take the McDonald's burger and fries, you know. So, mm -hmm. and probably if you ate steak every night, you might get sick of it. I don't freaking know, dude. All I know is there's some yeah. amazing music out there. Usually I'm not really, um, uh, yeah, I'm searching for like to, when I don't have that, you know, the amount of time we have to listen to music that we love, I tend to listen to stuff that, you know, is not necessarily, you know, in the genre or field that I'm in, you know, some, somewhere else. Cause I'm looking for something else other than what I've been surrounded by. I want it. I want the other, I want something else, you know, but yeah. Well, so. I love that, that, that discovery is like super important and I need to get better at that too, because it, it goes into, uh, there's like a, a, a reviewer, like a film and, and video game reviewer that I, that I follow. And, he's been criticized for being like harsh towards stuff that he doesn't like. And, right. and people, and people comment and they're like, why are you reviewing stuff if you don't like it? And he's right. like, that's the, that's the point. You have to take a chance on things that you might not like because you might be surprised. Right. Well, I don't, I don't read, I don't read reviewers much. <laughs> Cause I always like, especially Yelp. I've been led astray so many times and like film reviews where they've raved or they've panned things and I loved them or hated them to the opposite of like the review. So I tend to like go by word of mouth more than review. 
reviewers mm-hmm. are like a you know there's obviously some famous reviewers who are amazing at what they do and have really set the tone for taste and style but word of mouth is like yeah i don't know it's the way musicians survive really so i don't know as far as giving you a bunch of records that people could go and listen to and say wow that's that dave levita that's his thing i don't i don't know man you know if you listen to the song like the sarabarellas had a pretty big hit called king of anything and i played guitar on that and like you have to listen hard to get the guitar because it's like there's horns there's big piano there's huge drums there's her singing but if you listen if you can find out if you can pick out the guitar part then you know you'll either say oh that's like lame or you'll like it you know <laughs> i don't know right right so some of it's like that you know it's like it's kind of like record playing guitar it's not necessarily virtuosic but it's adding to the flavor it's hopefully spicing up the music you know and uh and making you not you know nod your head a little more than you would have without it basically so it could be a really subliminal thing sometimes you know i mean a lot of things in life are like that you don't know why you like them but you like them and it's the thing that's kind of hidden in the mix a little bit that's kind of add it's the you know it's all the things that add up to the one but you know certain elements really stick out like you know in a dish of food for instance you know and you know but there might be like one really subtle spice that if it wasn't there you wouldn't be quite as in love with it you know it's kind of like that right sometimes. with guitar playing for me on record sometimes it's like that sometimes it can really be like that not always i think we can ask too many questions too like we can we can sort of remove the magic by analyzing and overanalyzing something to be like okay well what is what is the guitar doing right. do i do i like the guitar and am i judging that by how virtuosic it is or am i judging that by how i would do it you know right it's like it's really easy to sort of belittle something that really is beautiful by just asking too many questions sometimes if you just experience it that's all that you need well if you listen to like uh you know this guy kevin gilbert did a rock opera before he passed away called shaming of the true and there's a song on there called way back home and there's like a real guitar solo on there that i did and if you want to hear like what a guitar solo that i've done sounds like you could listen to that or if you listen to like casey musgrave's first record there's a song on there called smoke which is kind of pretty nasty and if you want to hear like you know what my version of like kind of raw foot stomp kind of guitar could sound like one you could listen to that so I don't know I'm trying to answer your question because you know if somebody's out there and wants to like kind of I don't know pick out pick through anything I've done and then review me and give me a bad review those would be good things to check out <laughs> <laughs> well it's nice know. for me because I'm gonna go study I love I love finding a player and then like looking through their discography and then just sort of being like, oh man, there's these things that I hadn't even thought of before. So right. if my listeners are going to do what I would do, they're going to go and and sort of research more so than than pick it apart. Yeah, you know, it's funny thing about um, album, you know, the albums too. Sometimes musicians' credits can be very vague the way they're placed. So sometimes if you want to find out something about a particular musician, it's not always so easy to know what they did on the record. Some artists and albums really do do it justice and really make credits that are detailed but a lot of times it just gets you know it gets just uh sort of forgotten in the in the grand scheme of things as opposed to films where they like you know credit 
you know, the caterer and who drove the truck and, you know, like every person gets a proper credit. Music is not always like that. Albums are not always credited. It's hard sometimes to find. But, you know, there's some, there's definitely live footage of me playing with Alanis out there over the years because I toured with her for a long time, which was one of the great joys of my life. Or playing with McGraw, which is another one of the great joys of my life because, you know, he rocks. Um, So, you know, I don't know if you can find any live footage of that. Like, uh, McGraw, Austin City Limits, you know, you can see me pretty good and the sound is really good. The mix is good. You can hear me play like country rock music if you want to hear what that sounds like. Um, That's pretty cool. I really loved how that came out. Uh, Tim and Faith did a soul to soul tour, Faith Hill, his wife, and they they released a documentary on HBO or Showtime about it. And there's good footage of me in that, I think. Um, Yeah. uh, I think I might even get a guitar solo in that playing a song with Faith. Um, you know, a, a gospel tune. Uh, was Caitlin Smith out on that tour? She might have been. Yeah, I think that rings a bell. But they typically would have, you know, an opener that would only last a few shows and then they would flip, sw- swap them out. Gotcha. So I think she did, though. That name sounds very familiar. I think so. Yeah, Caitlin Smith put out a record called Starfire uh, a year or two ago. And she was out on the road with them for at least a, a short stint. And, and I remember that was a pretty big deal because I've played with some of those those guys. Oh, cool. Well, I actually missed the last 20 shows of the 80 show tour because I got sick. You know, um, I had to get this get my voice changed to this. Yeah. <laughs> so I missed the end. Of the we should tour. get we should get a we should get another voiceover for the end of the podcast too. Let's do it. All caught up with Derek Drusma. In a world where guitar players talk about themselves incessantly. <laughs> Dude, I freaking love it. <laughs> um, gain structure. Small amp mm. combos. Mm. Pedal order. Yeah, because you haven't really yeah. asked me about anything technical about guitar. like And guitar setups. You haven't asked me anything about that. Not, I that, I, not, that, not I, that I care. It doesn't really matter, but like. <laughs> I thought we were, I thought it was going to be like geeky like you know what pedals do you like dude and like you know but it's not been like that it's been more about the spiritual side of guitar playing Yeah yeah well so much of like I mean I've I've switched I've completely overhauled my rig you know more times than I can count mm-hmm. ever since I started playing guitar and Right I don't think I really Obviously, I obviously sound different, but it's because of like my growth as a person and as a guitar player. Uh huh. Every time I make a huge change in gear, nobody's ever been like, "Whoa!" <laughs> right. That. Right. What did you add to your? You know, it's 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 almost always like the person who's expressing themselves through the tools because they're really just tools of expression. Well, there's you know? been some pedals that have changed my life. That's for damn sure over the years, for sure. What's a, what's a big one? I mean, you know. Green Line 6 Delay comes to mind because before that, there was a lot of shit, and with an expression pedal. But before that came around, you know, there was a lot of things that I couldn't do that I could do once I got one of those in my hands. Um, yeah. Uh, because- yeah, the green one, is that, because I've, I've got the, I run the, the Helix for most of the things that I do. And right. so I think all of those sounds are on board. 
Perhaps, but there's something but there's something so user friendly and fast and like amazingly guerrilla warfare, especially with the expression pedal about the green line six delay. If you're in a session, one of those helix things, man, I, uh, you know, for me, that would be like I would get bogged down probably so quick. Anyway, the green line six pedal for me, that's one of them, you know, but that's just that's a delay. You know, there's been others, you know. Uh, right, right. I mean, well, I love the. I love the autumn auto volume echo and the uh, the sweep echo on those. Uh-huh. It's like super gnarly the stuff you can do with those. I mean yeah. that, that thing's a powerhouse. Yeah, just as a quick as a you know an amazing fast tool. I've been able to use that thing, and because it loops so well and it reverses, you know, on the fly so quick, it's like such, you know. But there's been there's been plenty of other pedals that have like survived the years with me and and some that haven't but then and some that you know are like i don't use them that often but when i get to they're like amazing and there's nothing else that will kind of put you in that place like these pedals do you know but we don't have to talk about pedals it's pretty fucking boring um no another another really small great delay that i love that's you know uh is the catalan bread echo rec that pedal's really fucking hits it just rocks who who makes that catalan bread it's called the echo wreck it's this multi-tap delay pedal and it's just super funky and not very precise and just beautiful like amazingly musical sounding it's really cool that's dope yeah it's amazing multiple delays and multiple you know game you know different types of gain pedals and everything else is kind of like the after, you know, to change sound really fast. I find that's the way to do it easiest is like, you know, using different types of gain and then using different types of delay. And, yeah, you know, because you don't have time to swap out amps on a session. You kind of got to find, you know, your one amp that you're cool to go show up anywhere with and stick with that. And that I've been using the same thing for like 25 years. So that hasn't changed. I mean, I've, I do bring yeah. other amps sometimes if time permits or if the session really calls for it. But that's generally and more and so more and more so as time has gone on, that has become less and less, you know. So um, the quickest way is to change and then obviously changing guitars. But, you know, because yeah. a lot of it is about trying to like, you know, be flexible quickly you know, change sound, change approach fast. And, you know, some pedals do a lot of different things, but they do them all really mediocre. So I try and avoid those pedals. And then, you know, they're like a Swiss army knife, but none of the blades are that sharp. I'd rather have, yeah. you know, five pedals in a box and grab the right one and have to plug it in really fast. But it has the sound that's like amazing rather than have the all in one kind of thing going on. For me, that's totally. just my, that's just for me. Everybody's different. And I've heard people make everything I've even heard guitar players make like, you know, Rockman's sound amazing. So everybody's different and there's no really right or wrong way to go about it. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all comes down to like how it sounds on the other end once, once it's on the track. So yeah, it's what you, it's what you like, what you're able to do with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Do you have like a main, a main, like a guitar that's your main axe or do you really just change it up? Uh. Or do you bring like a ton of stuff to a session? I have like two that are like I have three that are my main electrics really three uh, 
One okay. one is an early seventies Tele Deluxe. Um, one is a sixties Strat, and one is a sixties Tesco. Those three I can kind of do a lot. And if I really, if I can bring four guitars, which I usually can, because I'll just bring two double gig bags. The fourth guitar would e- would be an old three thirty five, a sixties three thirty five that I have, um, and then I could really cover like almost every bass or. If I don't want to bring the 335, I'll swap it out with a Les Paul that I have. And, you know, um, so it's hard to get it down to one. But if it had to be one, right. it would if it had to be one, it would be my my early 70s Tele Deluxe. That would be one. And then Tesco would be two and Strat, old Strat would be three. Um, and then, yeah, it'd be kind of in that order, I guess. But, yeah, you know, sometimes you really, I, I tend to over bring more than I'm going to need because it's always the thing that you didn't bring that they end up wanting. It's kind of like you have to guess and get lucky sometimes. You know, I just kind of like before I walk out the door, I'm like, maybe I'll just grab that too or maybe I'll leave this behind. And you kind of have to get lucky with gear like that because you can't always bring everything. First of all, you'd look silly. And second of all, you don't have the time. (laughs) And yeah, you don't want to be embarrassing like showing up for a session with like 12 guitars and all you really needed was one thing and like nothing else. You know, you try and kind of right. ask beforehand, what is this? Like, what's the vibe? But, and then if you've worked with people, you know, more than once, then, you know, you want to bring the things that you know that you have that they love. And then you, if you can, you want to also try and bring in treats and surprises sometimes. Cause otherwise, you know, you get tired and like bored, boring to that, you know, you, even to yourself, you know, you want to try and like change it up even for your own self, you know, find something that's cool. But some things there's just no getting around them. Some guitars and like, and for me, like Desert Island amp for sure is my old Blackface Deluxe Reverb. You know, that's yeah, that because that 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 goes with you up everywhere. That does every that can kind of do anything, man. That amp and it's always beautiful, and it's got like it just speaks. You know, it can kind of be heard in any sitch, and it's really flexible and it's just so beautiful and it's, you know. And I have the tired ass old original speaker in there, which, you know, doesn't have a lot of low end, doesn't have a lot of headroom, and that's the way I like it. You know, fuck dark, yeah. and f- dark and fucked up, basically. I would just say find a sound that works for you, and that's it. You know, but a live yeah. live setup, in my experience, often let's you know, especially if you're playing, you know, in big bigger places, it's a different kettle of fish than like studio. You can't be subtle live. It can't be that subtle. And like... Right. It just can't, you know. So live, basically, I've been using an old Vox AC30 for years. Because it just gets, you know, it gets it... And they're great for recording, don't get me wrong. But like, I would never schlep that amp around to sessions that weighs like a ton. And like... Yeah. And it's not as versatile as a Fender amp. Not even close to me, you know. But... I'm sure I could, I would agree. I'm sure you could make it work if it's all you had. I could definitely I would have figured it out by now and made it work and it, w- it would have been great, but it's too big, too heavy, and too too loud generally, you know, to be flexible in a, in a studio the way a, an old Fender little Fender Deluxe is. And Fender Deluxe is not that little. They're heavy. I mean, they're not that loud, but they they can rock. But um yeah, live thing is a different thing. Amp wise, yeah. and even pedal wise, like I barely even turn delays on that much live because 
all that subtly subtlety gets you know by the time the sound gets out to the crowd it's already ambient anyway the only yeah, you know they're not going to hear a reverb pedal in like you know they're not going to hear a reverb pedal in a in an arena or in a hall or in a big concert place they're not going to hear that they're going to hear the yeah. reverb so the only person that's hearing it is you and the sound man is probably cursing you so you know wow. so it's so different the approach to you know like or at least in the kind of gig that that I've been doing for the past decade or so playing with Tim McGraw it's it you know there are quiet subtle beautiful songs but there's a lot of musicians on stage so you know I don't need to you know there's a pedal steel player for instance who does beautiful ambience and you know there's all sorts of stuff going on in keyboards so um anyway it's just a different sitch that's more like you know yeah turn the shit up rock out you know play you know play with intent and you know give it all your all playing on a record is like it can be a you know even playing on a tim mcgraw record can be a vastly different experience it's like you know the sound and the way you get to it it's got it's just a different thing you know i don't know blah blah god i'm so boring Jesus. <laughs> I'm, like, no, dude. <laughs> I'm like, wow. They're like this, you know, anyway. <laughs> that was amazing. You just had that, you just had a moment of, of self-realization. You're like, what am, what? Yeah. Am I'm, I still talking? <laughs> I am. Yeah. Yeah. You got to shut me up. Um, no, it's, it's all great. But man. I've got some, um, I've got some great amps and guitars, man. I mean, you know, not as great as some others, but my collection's pretty good. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm, and I've gotten rid of a lot of stuff because I had kids and I had to, <laughs> but I still got some cool <laughs> stuff, like amazing class. Cause I'm really a, when it comes to guitars and amps, I'm pretty much a vintage geared head. Like that's where I will go to get the sound. When it comes to pedals, that then all rules are off and I'll use anything from vintage old fucked up pedals to you know the most modern new thing but when it comes to amps and guitars generally my ear is attracted to the old shit because it just is so much juicier generally for me not every, yeah. every, everybody's different but for me it's like I don't want to have to work for the sound and the sweetness there was like this golden era man in the 50s and 60s and to some degree early 70s where man they just I don't know, stuff sounds like a certain way that my ear loves. And then, you know, combine that with like, you know, modern music and maybe mo some modern pedals and stuff. And you can, nobody will think that you're playing like some old fashioned sound, but, you know, especially when it comes to recording. But generally, I feel that way. Uh, right. About amps, right. Well, and, about something, amps and guitars. There's something, there's something too about like you can't, you can't, uh, you can't replicate synthetically wood being 50 years old you well, know that that's true that's true those guitars are old and it's like you can't just make a new guitar and it because it, it's it's new wood it's that's not going to be the same i mean that's especially true with acoustic guitars you know like acoustic guitars definitely the more you beat up on them generally the more they start to get seasoned and sound like amazing you know like an old skillet you know cast iron skillet you yeah. know the first time you use it it's cool but after it's had you know like a million greasy burgers in it then it's like properly seasoned you know um yeah but uh but again you know there's no rules man i've heard cats on brand new duesenbergs sound freaking amazing you know 
or you know not yeah. not to put Duesenbergs down but like I don't have one and I don't personally you know I'm, I go the opposite way I go like crud you know crud crusty old fucked up guitars generally right and instead, if, of, instead of shiny new I generally you know generally mm-hmm. um yeah so but that's not to say that there that that's you know that's just what I like you know but everybody's different and, and even no, if they sounded even if they sounded identical how it feels in your hand is going to change how it sounds when you're playing it you know well I definitely don't think that I don't think they do sound identical but I think I, I definitely don't either but but I think I'm more, saying I like, think a lot of the sound you know comes out of the musician anyway so it's true like if right you, if you grabbed a Duesenberg or you grabbed an old telly you know but it's your style of playing it's still going to sound like your style of playing and there's going to be a lot mm-hmm. about the sound that's going to be particular to the way you play so gear but like you know yeah i don't know yeah well and if, if just if picking up a telly gets you psyched and picking up a duesenberg just does nothing for you then pick up the, the go with the telly you know right sometimes it's just that that's the only sometimes that's like the only question you need to ask is like yeah. which one's gonna inspire you yeah and if you suck picking up a, vin- a 50s telly is not gonna help you suck any less you know you're still gonna right. suck so you know you better fucking practice it's like you know exactly oh man but sorry i'm cursing on your podcast sorry all you 12 year olds uh you can bleep that out anyway yeah there you go coming up next the uncensored version of catching up with Derek drugsma (laughs) man well this has been amazing i could talk for hours and hours well we have we uh, have we've talked for a long time so i you know thank you for having me on your show man it's an honor i appreciate it and and i hope this is of some entertainment value to at least you know one person out there i think so okay man it's it's been it's been an absolute pleasure right on likewise man maybe you could just edit it down and really make it make me sound cool (laughs) it's been such a great time likewise i likewise thanks for reaching out to me it's really cool Absolutely.